Hello, I'm Laura Hamilton. Welcome to Book Larder Podcast, where we share author talks from the kitchen of Seattle's Community Cookbook Shop. When I make rice as a side dish, I always make extra. Because the next day, I can have one of my favorite leftover meals, fried rice. With a couple of eggs, some scallions, some soy sauce, maybe some ginger, I have a quick and easy meal that I can make just for me or for the whole family. But I tend to follow the same template. So I was very excited to see Portland-based author Danielle Santioni's new book, Fried Rice. Danielle uses rice as the springboard for a wide range of flavors from around the globe. Her book is full of great ideas that will have you looking at your leftovers in a whole new light. She visited the Booklarder Kitchen in November 2019. Here's Danielle Sentioni and fried rice. Thanks for coming. This is exciting. Talk about fried rice. And the first question people always ask me is, why did you want to write a book about fried rice? And I have to say, the publisher came to me, so, you know, it wasn't actually my idea. But when he did, I was like, oh, my God, there isn't a fried rice cookbook out there. Why is that? And I think it's because people think, oh, fried rice is one thing. It's just what you get at the Chinese restaurant. But um, it's so much more, as I found out um, in developing these recipes. So I cook a lot of fried rice at home. I have kids. We're busy. I've always got leftovers in my fridge that I need to use up. And so fried rice is sort of like a go-to platform. It's really fast. It's cheap. And you could pretty much put anything in rice in a skillet and it'll be fine. So, but for the book, I was like, okay, I have to get beyond leftovers, beyond just, you know, the Chinese takeout joint. And I started looking into all the other global cuisines around the world. And like, what are some iconic things that some flavors that you use in Moroccan cuisine or um, even Italian cuisine? And can I I turn that into fried rice? So the answer was yes. It was really fun. I spent four months every day, all day, making fried rice. And I was really sick of it by the end of that. Um, I didn't think I could get sick of fried rice, but I really did. And my family did too. But we took a break in the summer. And then we, um, I, had to, I wrote up all the recipes and then I tested through everything. And so then I spent the fall testing all the recipes and making sure they turned out. It was really fun to see how deep I could go into this category. So I have a chapter on Asian fried rice, but it's, there's Thai inspiration, there's Vietnamese inspiration. And as I was going deeper into these different cuisines, I realized if something has a bun or pasta noodle, you can turn it into fried rice. And that was kind of like a big aha moment for me. And then you have a gluten-free meal. One example is banh mi fried rice. Well, banh mi is a sandwich, but you can turn it into fried rice. by I made little meatballs flavored with Vietnamese ingredients. I top it with sliced jalapenos and um, pickled vegetables, just like you'd have on a banh mi sandwich, but it's in a bowl with rice. And so that's a, basically like a gluten-free way to get your banh mi fix. There's a cheeseburger. There's carbonara. So instead of pasta, you've got rice. So really, it was, it was pretty fun to go down that road. And the other thing I learned is that you can start with rice and you could cook it with a bunch of different liquids. It doesn't have to be water. You can get really creative with broths, with buttermilk, with juices. I made uh, tea 
smoky tea and cooked rice in that. And so your fried rice has this amazing smoky flavor. And a lot of people, when you're thinking about making fried rice, you're thinking, oh, it's like a weeknight thing. I'm just going to pull something out. Well, if you make these flavored rices beforehand and freeze them, then you could pull out your smoky lapsang souchong rice and cook something interesting with it at the spur of the moment. So that was fun to play around with the base rice and then the different kinds of rice and then also with toppings. And that's something that people don't really think about like, oh, fried rice is just, you know, a stir fry in a skillet. Well, actually you can add all sorts of textural things on top to give it even more um, dimension and flavor. And I found that the, the ones I developed that had a crunchy, fresh component on top, or even like a sauce, were the ones we liked the most. So that was kind of interesting to play around with those aspects. So it's like taking fried rice and kind of like running with it. So another question people always ask me is like, what kind of rice do you use? And I personally like longer grain rices because they're not as sticky. So long grain rice has less amylopectin, which is a component in the starch that's very sticky. So the rice varieties that have more of that are sticky or glutinous rice has a ton of it doesn't have gluten. It's just got a lot of that uh, particular starch. So the longer grain rices like basmati don't, and they they fry up really well. Jasmine is technically a long grain rice, but it has more of that starch, so it's stickier. And you might notice that like if you eat jasmine rice with chopsticks, it sticks you know, in a little clump. That's why. But then also like whole grain rices, like brown rice, red rice, black rice, those are wonderful to use in fried rice, but they can be a little chewier. So I personally like to do half and half, like half white rice, half whole grain rice, because then you get some of that nutrients, the texture and the flavor, but it's not like so chewy in your fried rice. One thing is you don't have to have a wok. I think that's like a, people think, oh, to make fried rice, I'm supposed to have a wok. I have to have a rice cooker. You don't have to have any special tools. The skillet, just plain old skillet works great. Nonstick is really great because then your rice doesn't stick. But otherwise, what I like to do, I use cast iron skillets a lot, and I, um, I'll fry things in batches. So if you bog down your skillet with too many ingredients, things will stick, they'll get really wet and mushy, and you want, to, you want your rice to stay really crispy and the grains to be separate. So I do everything in batches. So I'll saute the aromatic things in batches. I'll do the, if I have to brown tofu or another ingredient, I'll do that. And set it aside. And I just do it in stages like that and then put it all together at the end. And at the end, when you've got your rice and everything in there, if you just let it cook for a while, just and maybe even press it a little bit, it'll start to crisp on the bottom, which adds a lot more texture. I really love doing that. Some people don't, but I love having little crispy bits in my fried rice. One other thing I found out with uh, in terms of texture, if you take your fried rice, your old day-old rice, and dry it out, you can either do it in the oven at like 200 degrees for a few hours, or in my old vintage oven, it's just like it has a pilot light, so I just leave it overnight. It gets hard but not super dried out. It's this perfect sort of moisture content. You could then deep fry it in oil, and it puffs up like puffed rice. And that you can add on top of your, your fried rice and have that textural component. You can, there's a recipe in there to make like a rice crispy treats, but with the puffed rice. Yeah, so it's really fun to make. And it's a really good snack, too. You could just throw some salt on there and some seasonings and eat it like popcorn, basically. So that's a fun thing to do if you have just a little bit of rice left over. Just dry it out and fry it. Another thing I am asked a lot about is what kind of oil to use. And I, you could use any oil, really. Don't, I wouldn't use sesame oils or nut oils except for drizzling on top. 
because they have a much lower smoke point. And with fried rice, you really want to get it hot. So any, any oil with a high smoke point will work really well. I did use a lot of olive oil. It worked fine, but um, canola, grapeseed, avocado oil is great to use. So it really doesn't matter and as long as it can handle the higher heat. And in terms of cooking, so another thing I learned in making a bazillion batches of rice is usually what's on the bag is not quite, the ratio of liquid to rice is not usually accurate if you're going to double it. And most rice bags don't tell you that you shouldn't double the liquid if you're doubling the rice. So um, just remember that rice takes a one-to-one ratio of rice to liquid with a little bit extra for evaporation. So what I came up with was three quarters cup for evaporation. And that's because I like to bring my rice to a boil with the lid off. And that way you avoid the boil over, which makes a mess of your stove. So I let it come to boil with the lid off. That makes a lot of, lot more water evaporates. Then I reduce the heat, put the lid on. And, um, and to me, it's no matter how you scale it up, that just seems to be the perfect amount of liquid. Otherwise, you're going to end up with really soggy rice if you do like two cups of rice and two cups of water, three cups of rice, three cups of water, and then tripling that. So you have to be careful with your ratios. And uh, you could freeze your leftover. If you have a lot of rice left over, you don't want to make fried rice that week, just throw it in the freezer and it, it will work just as well from frozen. But it the rices that are cooked in broth or juice, um, you should really let them come to room temperature and thaw it a little bit. It'll um, not stick as much, and it won't reduce the heat of your pan when you use it. I have a, I I mostly stayed savory. I noticed with sweet fried rice, um, it didn't quite translate. You know, there's one in there with uh, some brown butter and cinnamon sugar, and that's good in in small amounts. But most people don't want a big bowl of sweet rice. But I did use it in other ways. So there's a crepe. You could take your fried rice or your leftover rice, blend it in a blender with eggs and milk, and you make um, crepe batter that when you fry it up, it's like thick and a little bit more robust than regular crepes. And your whole house smells like horchata because of the rice. It's amazing. And then I found an old recipe for a New Orleans fritter called Kala, and they're basically it's rice that you ferment with um, a little bit of eggs and yeast, let it sit overnight. And when you fry it up the next day, they're these very light and airy fritters. And it's as easy, it's easier than any donut you'll ever make. It's the easiest thing in the world. Um, And they taste amazing. Just toss them with cinnamon and sugar. So using rice in sweet ways, it worked best to like blend it into something, you know, bake it into something rather than just like sauteing it. So we should open up to questions. Do you have a couple recipes that you turn to over and over again? The one recipe that my family loves the most is the cheeseburger fried rice. And I think it's because it really does taste like a cheeseburger. Um, It's not the kind of, you know, you're not sinking your teeth into a juicy burger, but it has all the flavors. And so it starts with rice cooked in tomato juice. So you're adding that kind of ketchup-y flavor. And then when I fry it up, I add mustard, which sounds kind of gross, but it actually really works. And so you've got that element in there. Of course, um, there's ground beef, and I cook that with some, you know, garlic and onions. And when I serve it, I serve it with fry sauce, which is um, ketchup and mayonnaise and, you know, some pickle relish and, and chopped lettuce and fresh tomatoes. And it might sound weird to have, like, basically salad on your fried rice, but the, the crunchy and the juicy elements 
really works. It makes it that much better. You could add a slice of, and it sounds weird, but you could add a slice of American cheese. It's so good if you like cheese. Um, but yeah, like things I would never have thought to add to fried rice, like cheese, um, actually work really well. So that's definitely a favorite. One that's really fast is, um, well, the classic Chinese fried rice. But there's also um, an Indian fried rice in there that uses lemon rice. So you could cook your rice with lemon juice. Or when you're frying it up, you could add lemon juice and it'll soak it in and it'll be okay. But that one's really simple. It just has a bunch of um, spices sauteed in oil and some cashews. And all of a sudden you've got this amazing like Indian flavored fried rice that's lemony and nutty and a little bit spicy. So that one's, that one's a very fast, easy one to make that's different. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So I had one that worked out that was sweet rice, and it was, um, you mean like recipe, sweet recipe? Yeah. So I did brown butter, I sautéed apples in the brown butter, and there was like cinnamon and sugar. But a big, like a bowl of sweetened rice is tricky. It's good with ice cream. Like you need need some other component in there. So actually, um, I think I even said in the book, like it's actually really delicious if you just use it almost like as an ice cream topping. But most of the time I found that using rice in a sweet way, it worked better to use it in something, to like incorporate it in something. So like the crepe batter or um, the fritter batter, something like that, or puff it and make the Rice crispy treats. But just sauteed, I was like, maybe it's just me, but I, I didn't want a lot of that <laughs> particular thing. How did you come up with the recipes? Like, did you mostly take like traditional items and see how they translate into rice? Or did you like think of brand new things? It was kind of a combination of both. When I realized I wanted to go really global with it, I started researching, okay, what are some really iconic dishes of this region or this, you know, part, you know Europe or whatever? What are some iconic flavors? So like Scandinavia is known for like salmon and dill. Okay, can I use that in a fried rice? So I kind of started there, and I wanted to make sure I covered all the bases as much as I could. So really, it was a, it was a lot of researching the f- different ingredients and flavors of various countries, and then seeing what I could do with that in terms of fried rice. And then some things were just like, in Africa, there's jollof rice, which is very iconic, and everyone makes it differently, depending on what family you're in and what part of the you know country you're in. But it's basically tomatoey rice that's spicy and usually has some peppers in there. So I thought, well, that's, it's not fried rice in Africa, but I could turn that into fried rice. I could make jollof rice and, and turn it into a fried rice. And then I topped it with other things like, a, it's called shakalaka. It's delicious. It's like a relish and put that on top and you've got this like really savory, spicy, kind of sweet tart, crazy mess of deliciousness and um, and that was just looking at what, okay, what are the rice traditions in Africa? What are the dishes that they're making with rice or, or with a starch that I can like use rice as the substitute? So like in Italy, it's a lot of pasta. So I looked at like, okay, what are some pasta dishes that would translate well into fried rice? Because not everything will. I mean, sometimes it'll just like bolognese, to, you know, fried rice. I'd rather have pasta, but the carbonara worked really great, putting an egg on top, you know, like that, and some garlic. It was really good. So it was a lot of research <laughs> and trial and error. So if you have a wok, would you say most recipes work best within a wok, or do you find some are better with skillet? I think the, a wok is great, but, like, 
most people don't have the right kind of stove for a wok to really work because it's got to be super high heat. And the the idea is that you're stir frying at the bottom and pushing things up the sides and stir frying something else. And you're you're using the sides to kind of hold your ingredients. So I feel like a skillet works just as well for the stoves that we have in this country. Um, but if you have a wok, by all means, you know, use it. But I only used skillets. I used nonstick, cast iron, um, and then just regular, you know, stainless steel skillets. So I used all different ones. They all basically perform the same. But nonstick, if you don't want it to, if you don't want your rice to stick, because it kind of will, um, you want a nonstick pan. And the other thing too is you want to keep your liquid ingredients to a minimum. So a lot of people with Chinese uh, fried rice, they're gonna they'll put a lot of soy sauce in there because you think, oh, I want it like brown. Um, and actually, that's how you get it really mushy and kind of too like. Um, one note in flavor. So if you, I recommend using some liquid ingredients and if you want more salt, don't add more soy sauce, add actual salt. Because um, if you just, if you overload your fried rice with liquid, it's just going to get mushy and sticky. And then it's like, what's the point? So it's like a rice bowl instead of fried rice. So yeah. How do you become a cookbook? Well, how did you <laughs> I actually started by co-authoring with other people. So chefs who had a bunch of recipes and didn't want to write the book. I started there. So uh, there's a restaurant in Portland called Mother's Bistro. And that was the first cookbook I did. She's been around forever. Um, all the celebrities go to Mother's Bistro when they come to town. And so um, I wrote that book with her. It's her recipes and her stories, but I wrote it for her with her. And then um, I started, uh, I was also working at the Oregonian newspaper. I had various columns. And so I started developing recipes for those columns. And, you know, after a while developing recipes, you start getting a repertoire. You, um, I write it all down. I, I keep journals. So the fir- this fried rice is actually my first solo cookbook of just my recipes. But leading up to it, I've been developing recipes for different magazines like Better Homes and Gardens and Eating Well. Um, so it kind of starts, it started slowly. Like most of my, like the first half of my career is just a writer and an editor and then helping other people get their books out there. And now I'm moving into doing more on my own. But it's a lot of work, I have to say. It's it's a lot of work, and um, you need to have very patient family members who are willing to give you very honest feedback. <laughs> and luckily, I have that. So, yeah. And that's the other thing. you got to have neighbors. You can, like, pawn off all your leftovers, too. Um, and they also, they're great. They give really good feedback as well. So, But, yeah, I mean, if, if you're interested in doing a cookbook, you start by you've got to have a compelling concept. It helps to get an agent. Um, who will then shop your book to different publishers um, and get you the best deal. But it's really, it starts with a proposal and you're selling your idea and that it's going to be a marketable one. You have to uh, really do your research and see what are the the other books out there? How is my book different? Um, So yeah, it's, there's a lot of groundwork leading up to the actual recipe part. Well, thank you everyone so much for coming. Thank you. Many thanks to Danielle for visiting us in Seattle. As always, you can get 10% off a copy of Fried Rice and any other books featured on Booklarder Podcast by visiting booklarder.com and entering the code PODCAST at checkout. We have signed copies of many of the featured books still in stock, so get one of those while they last. And if you visit us in the shop, just mention that you heard about a book on the podcast for 10% off in-store as well. 
This episode was produced and edited by Abby Circatella. Our theme music was composed and performed by James Coley. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review to help others find us as well. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where our handle is at BookLarder. For more information about BookLarder, including author talks, cooking classes, and to join our monthly email newsletter, visit BookLarder.com. And if you find yourself in Seattle, visit us in person at 4252 Fremont Avenue North. I'm Lara Hamilton. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.